Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to College Football Tailgate. Today is December 5th, 2021. I'm your host, Will Chambers. Uh, with me, not in the studio. We're not in the studio today. Tyler Walgy, say hello. Hello, mate. Producer Smitty. What's going on, Willie? We're quarantined. We're quarantined. So, yeah, <laughs> this is going to be a different show for everybody out there. Uh, we're all at our respective homes. Uh, I don't think that we should, you know pile on you too hard here tyler but for being the guy who was the most cautious during the (laughs) quarantine thing you're the first one to catch COVID. well you know what's funny is for the first part of like the first year when everything happened i was adamant about not going out i was strict i was very stir and then it turned into i just made sure everyone coming into my house was okay but then i did a bunch of stuff i was going to du games abs games i'm going out i'm karaoke and and so it's like okay eventually Things slipped a little bit, and uh, I will say this. You know, you guys know me. I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, right? A little bit of a... Not at all. <laughs> overreactor. This, honestly, in a weird way, has helped me immensely. It's like, hey, you got it. Let's move on. It's all going to be okay. So, Dude, you were taking our temperatures at one point. I am probably going to start doing that. Just to ramp it back up. Why not? Like, let's, let's get back there. No, but isn't that funny? I mean... Well, no, now I- you don't have to worry about it. Well, exactly. And now I'm loaded with antibodies. I'm a walking antibody now. I'm vaxxed up. I got the, you know, thank God I was vaxxed also. You know, uh, didn't it did, didn't really get me too bad. Had a little fever for a while, but I uh, was able to bounce back. And here we are, Will. You know, we're we're ready. Am I 100%? No. But does, are we going out there between the white lines and playing? Absolutely. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're just, you're in it for the win. Uh, even if you're not 100%, you're going to put it all on the line. So this will be a different show. We're gonna. It's going to be a little shorter. Basically, we're going to recap championship week. We're going to talk about uh, all of the you know the playoff rankings are now set. Uh, we are going to t- you know kind of break down just our initial instinct on the playoff games. We're going to talk about the bowl games that have been announced, some college football news, and then we'll just have one best bet at the end for the Army Navy game for next Saturday. So, boys, the college football playoff is set. Initial feelings. How do you guys feel? Are you upset? Uh, do you think they got it right? Well, let's hear it. I think they got everything right. I mean, after Alabama beat Georgia the way they beat Georgia, because here's the thing, is when the committee comes out with the new rankings, all you have to do is take the committee's rankings, reevaluate the next week based on those rankings. Michigan, number two, beat number 13 steadily. Alabama, number three, beat number one not as bad as Michigan won, but I think it was just as impressive. So I understand Alabama yeah. jumping up. Uh, I'm okay with Michigan staying where they are. Georgia falls to three. You avoid the rematch. And then since uh, uh, he ends up getting in. So, you know, I don't mind it at all. I would have done the same thing. And I'm glad we finally get a non-group of five or a non-power five in there. Yes, Minnie, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I love everything that they did. A um, little surprised that uh, – Michigan wasn't number one, um, but, you know, Mm. uh, Alabama's Alabama. Um, I was kind of hoping for a different result in that SEC championship game, but um, it was still a great day of football, and glad since he's in there. And uh, I have to ask you, Will, is Michigan back? I mean, they're definitely (laughs) back. I don't know if they're going to win the the championship, but the fact that they won the Big Ten – uh, they beat Ohio State this year. They're definitely back. It's been a really fun week for me. Love the game. But, you know, it's interesting that you say, you know, you're wondering why Michigan wasn't number one. I think that there's like maybe a little bit of an argument you can make there. But 
you know, with Alabama having the best win, which is beating the, you know, the unanimous number one team, Georgia, and beating them soundly, I'm yeah. fine with it. You know, it's a bummer as a Michigan fan because I was definitely hoping for for Georgia to win. Well, you can't wipe the smirk off your face. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy. I'm stoked, man. This is not what I expected at the beginning of the year. But you know, what's funny is I wanted, like I said, I wanted Georgia to win because then in the first round, Michigan would have played probably Cincinnati or Oklahoma state. So let's just play that hypothetical. If, uh, if, uh, Georgia does win. What do you think yeah. the the final four looks like? Well, I, this also would have, you know, this scenario I'm talking about would have been contingent on Oklahoma State winning the Big 12 as well. And at that point, I, I think they would have gone, you know, Georgia one, Michigan two, Cincinnati three, Oklahoma State four, mm. and or some variation of Cincinnati, Oklahoma State three, four. And so I would have liked that in that first round, Michigan would have what I would have seen as a pretty good matchup against Cincinnati or Oklahoma State and then eventually facing Georgia in the second round. Um, so, you know, that, that's how I like that. Now, if it had been a close game with Alabama... But, 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 Oklahoma, State, but Oklahoma State didn't win. So so let's let's play everything out. If Right. Yeah, so so if, okay. so if everything went how it went, but Georgia won, who do you think's the, the three and four? I think Bama still uh, well, makes it. If it was it. a close game... Yeah, if it, if it was a close game, I think Cincinnati stays at three, and they... Actually, you know what? No, they would have had to have put... Cincinnati at four for the same reason that they wouldn't put Georgia at four this time is that, you know, I, I think, I think they know that nobody wants it, including fans and, you know, the committee, no one wants to see that rematch next game. They don't want to see Georgia versus Alabama two weeks in a row. Right. I think that it sets up nice for them now that should Alabama and Georgia win in the first round, they rematch in the national championship game, which is great for the sec. Great for, you know, for the committee, as far as getting lots of viewers, but, you know, I think that there's an argument to be made that the committee certainly wants it that way. Now, that being said, I don't I'm not saying that Cincinnati should be ranked um, ahead of Georgia. I don't necessarily think that's the case. But, you know, it is kind of interesting to see Georgia kind of get bullied by Alabama and, and only drop two spots. Yeah, that's because everyone was all up Georgia's ass before this whole thing. It's hard to, <laughs> hard to well, redo they've been, your... they've been a good team all year. But they didn't wait, really, you know, Clemson was their biggest non-conference game. And even though Clemson was good this year, they weren't the Clemson that we know them to be. And so it's interesting. I, ultimately, I think they got it right. I really don't have complaints about uh, the rankings. Uh, as a Michigan fan, it's a bummer. We have to face Georgia in the first round because I don't necessarily <laughs> love that matchup. But um, I don't care because we're in the playoff. And I feel like after seeing Alabama be able to out-physical them, I think at least Michigan has a shot. Yeah, I mean, I do too. It's going to be a good game for sure. I'm excited to see it. And I think Michigan, you can't count them out. They've got a chance for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, I think I think if Michigan's going to win, they they have the right, uh, you know, recipe for success. You know, they play good defense and, and they run the football well. So definitely, definitely. Well, let's, let's recap that championship week. So Friday night, it started. We had the Pac-12 championship and Utah just dominated Oregon again for the second time in a row. Utah, just the, you know, the more physical team which is funny because that was kind of supposed to be Mario Cristobal's thing in Oregon is making them more physical and Utah just dominates them. We now know that maybe there were some distractions there with Cristobal. There's rumors that Miami is going all in for, for Cristobal to take the job at Miami, Florida, his alma mater and uh, nothing official about if he's going to sign there. It sounds like Oregon has extended a, uh, a contract extension to him as well. Um, and so he's kind of, 
choosing between those two. But I, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take the Miami job, especially with Lincoln Riley coming to USC. So I think that's an interesting uh, thing there for this whole what's uh, kind of circling this whole Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, and it's funny that Miami didn't say anything to Manny Diaz. He's still on staff. I know. Like He's still recruiting. I know, exactly. It's like, can you imagine just, him reading that tweet? Sucks. Like they're, they're basically saying, Hey, if we can't get crystal ball, we might keep you, but know, uh, that's, but... that's tough for him and, you know, tough for everybody involved, but happy for, uh, for Kyle Whittingham and the Utah Utes, Kyle Whittingham getting his first PAC 12 championship. He had been to the PAC 12 championship game. Uh, this was now his fourth trip and he had lost the previous three to the PAC 12 North team, you know, just awesome for him. Um, a great coach, an underrated coach, a really tough Utah team this year. And it's good because, like we said before, he may not be getting a lot of shots with Lincoln Riley coming to USC. And yeah, it's probably the last of his career or till Lincoln <laughs> yeah. decides to go to the NFL. Could be. Definitely. But, uh, you know, shout out to the Utah Utes, a team that is kind of perennial. You know, every year they're an underrated team that no one talks about. We didn't talk a lot about them Utah on the show. Utes! I know. Did you did you just say show. did you just say shout Utah Utes? Shout out Utah. Oh, shout out to Utah. I thought you just told me to shout Utah Utes. So I just <laughs> doubt it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, a smaller I, one. I got we'll a question touch for on. you guys. Well, yeah. What? Well, why doesn't Kyle Whittingham get more more publicity? It's got to be something with the Mormons. I don't know. It's got to be. <laughs> well, I think that's why he hasn't left. I think that's why he hasn't left Utah. Because if I was seeing all these big name coaches that have taken bigger jobs, jobs with Brian Kelly and with uh, Lincoln Riley. I, you know, if I was a athletic director at a, at a team that needed a head coach, he'd be at the top of my list, but I truly don't think he wants to go anywhere because yeah. as you mentioned, he is Mormon and it's a big deal being able to live there in Salt Lake city in a community that's just, you know, uh, shares the same values as his, like that'd be a big shock for him going from Salt Lake city being a Mormon to, you know, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That like, would be its own TV show. That would sense, be like a but... side ESPN TV show. Uh, Kyle in the big city. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I wish I could see him at a big program so bad. Cause I think he'd be one of the best coaches in college football. And we just may never see it, which is really disappointing. Well, and, and, and Utah's not even his alma mater. That's right. He played at BYU and he's had yeah. offers to go there. But I think that, you know, for him, it's like, okay, you know, I, uh, I, I think that, he feel weird leading BYU to go play against Utah every year, like a rival. And so you're right. That's a very interesting facet. So if he's not going to leave for BYU where it's still close, he still has the community and his alma mater, like why would he leave to go coach, you know, Notre Dame or Miami or something like that? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. No, but he's a great coach. And the PAC 12 is uh look, the PAC 12, I think it's going to get more and more good coaches now. And uh, we'll see Pac-12 what that looks back. like. Yeah, well, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, Saturday morning, we had the Big 12 championship game, which was a great one. It was a sloppy game, but it was so entertaining. Baylor gets the win over Oklahoma State. And on the last play, they keep Oklahoma State out of the end zone. You know, four interceptions for Spencer Sanders, and yet Oklahoma State was still there with a chance to win it on the last play. Um, you know, ultimately, I th- you know, it's a great, great uh, year for Baylor and for Dave Aranda. To me, this was just more disappointing on the part of Oklahoma State. I, I felt like Oklahoma State didn't look very prepared for this game. They looked sloppy, especially in the first half. Uh, not a great showing for the Oklahoma State offense, uh, especially. 
Yeah, I mean, they're without their leading rusher. It's so funny. Look at the statistics. It was like, I don't have it in front of me, but it was like 1,200 yards. You know, the, they're a leading rusher who was out. 550 yards there. Uh, Spencer Sanders, their quarterback. And then the yep. next back who started had like 200 and 300 yards. Like, it was a one running back system this year, and you could see it really impacted them. Oklahoma State ran seven plays in the fourth quarter within the two-yard line. And seven, never got in. Seven plays in the yep. fourth quarter within the two-yard line didn't score a touchdown. So yeah. that's on Oklahoma State. That's on Mike Gundy. I don't care what the excuse is. You've got to have in your playbook a quarterback sneak. Like, you've, you've got to do more down there. And I thought it was so uninspiring. It was such a, a frustrating performance for uh, Oklahoma State betters, especially live money line betters. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> God damn, it's just like all those opportunities uh, ended up screwing them. So, you know, but I don't want to say, look, both teams gave it away. I mean, neither team yeah. wanted to win that thing. Baylor got yep. to a great start. How many bad, we, we shouldn't let this slip. The terrible second half coaching decisions by Dave Aranda. He yep. fucked that thing up every way he could. And then at the end, Gundy's like, nope, hot potato. Here you go. Here's the win. So <laughs> yeah. no one did a good job. I mean, I guess you got to congratulate Baylor because someone had to win it, but it's not like, oh, give it up to Baylor. for No, that was well, about who lost the game. I agree. Look, first of all, you're right. Oklahoma State, they had first and goal with a one after a pass interference play, and you can't punch it in with four plays. That's embarrassing. You have to be able to – I mean, that's, that's a horrible way to lose. However, I think you do have to extend some credit to Dave Aranda here because they're playing with their backup quarterback, and the backup quarterback had a great game. Blake Shapin, three touchdowns. At one point, he was – 14 for 14 to start the game. It was a record for, you know, first year start or first year starting quarterbacks. Um, I thought that they, you know, yes, there were le- plenty of mistakes on his part, especially in that second half. But to me, they came out better prepared. The defense looked better. Um, you know, I thought that yeah, it was a sloppy game all around, just like you said. And the funniest part to me was when they, on that the game winning play at the end there, they cut to Dave Aranda and like zero emotion. He looked like a robot, like a mannequin, <laughs> not a smile, yeah. not a smirk, didn't raise his hands. He stood there like he was a robot that was like malfunctioning. And even afterwards, they're doing the trophy and everything. Like he's just, he's a strange guy, clearly a good coach. And I think he's going to do a lot of good things there at Baylor moving forward in the big 12. But uh, what, you know, really strange for him to not show any emotion after that, that, you know, that big win for the Bears. Yeah, even, even risk it, uh, raising a hand or something like that. Just nothing. Just standing nothing. there like, yeah. He didn't crack yeah. a smile. Nothing. Right? I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy to watch. So, you know, whatever, I guess he's just in the zone. I wonder how he does celebrate if he does, if he just goes home and, you know, microwaves like a TV dinner and just, and just turns on a hungry man. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A hungry man. I love it. But, <laughs> Uh, you know, big ups to Baylor for them to have the national championship in basketball last spring. And now they win the big 12 in a year where really no one was giving them a chance. You know, that's really big for, for Baylor, you know, especially being one of the smaller teams in the state of Texas. So shout out Baylor bears. Shout out Baylor, um, Baylor bears. The sec championship. We talked about it, but we need to go further in depth here. Alabama, they dominate Georgia 41, 24 Tyler gets a two, nothing, uh, Bet board game. So where does that bring that. us? Is that bad? You're is 17 that... to 10. You're up seven. Then. <laughs> okay. So okay. that, that one hurt. Me. That one hurt for me. And look, uh, this is a hand up moment. I doubted Nick Saban. I, I really thought Georgia would win this game easily. Um, 
I feel stupid. I'm an idiot. All the Alabama fans out there, just lay it on me. I'm, <laughs> I'm dumb. I can't believe that I didn't want to pick him against the spread as an underdog. Uh, this would have been a great situation just to put him on like money line underdog. You know, I, I get that this this Alabama team wasn't the Alabama team we've seen most of the year. They looked much sharper. This looked more like the Alabama team we've, we've grown accustomed to watching for the last six to 10 years. But um, just, you know, Nick Saban, he said afterwards, you know, I, I always love his his lines to the media afterwards. He said, you guys usually, the media feeds our players rat poison normally. And normally it's bad. You're telling the players that they're so good and it hurts us. And he goes, this time the poison you were feeding us was yummy. He was, saying, <laughs> he was saying no one was giving us a shot. So love that line from from Saban. Um, you know, look, to me, th- this is finally the game where Georgia's lack of experience explosiveness on offense finally comes back to bite them in the ass. We knew they had a great defense all year, but teams that have great defenses, if they ever get down, you know, Georgia's basically led the entire season. Now all of a sudden they're down against Alabama and their offense, you know, it's been good year all year. It's had a great run game and Stetson Bennett has been a very good quarterback, but I don't know if they have the kind of offense to compete in these high scoring slugfests or when they're down, if they can come back, it's really interesting to see. And Stetson Bennett, uh, heading into this game, had 12 passes in the fourth quarter all season long. That's insane. Yeah, wow. and, and so, I mean, that shows right there that this team was not prepared. And, and we didn't touch much on this last week, but it is important that, you know, as we approach bowl season and as a lot of our listeners start handicapping and predicting these games, um, it does matter in terms of competitive games leading up. Have you been tested this season? Have you been through the rain? Like Alabama has been through a lot of close games in the fourth quarter. They were used to it. they have been there all season yep. long. Georgia, again, Stetson Bennett, 12 passes in the fourth quarter of this year. All their games were over at like halftime. So yep. that means something, you know, or have you had meaningful games? Are, are you prepared in terms of, have you done it this season? So, yeah, um, yeah well, I, I just, I, I had to going back, listen to last week's show. We, you had one of the best bets I've ever known. Now it's still a loss, but you had one of the best bets I've ever seen. <laughs> we, made, we made earlier in the year, probably two months ago, we made Georgia, Alabama. The spread was a pick 'em. Okay. Yep. I had Bama, you had Georgia, pick 'em. You were so confident in your Bulldogs that a week ago you <laughs> swallowed six and a half points without even needing to. You said, Tyler, I have them against the pick 'em. I want to give you six and a half and make it another bad board game. And so I just, up, I, I just said, you know, look, I, I feel stupid. I am stupid. Betting against Saban is not something you want to do, especially when they're an underdog. Um, I know that I had all kinds of value there. I just still felt like we had seen Alabama struggle against teams like Georgia all year. Teams okay, that now- have good defenses and, and, and could run the ball. And Alabama just turned it on and looked like we expected them to finally. But let's play let's play a fun game because this is where the public exposes themselves. And this is where me and other professionals get a nice little chuckle from reading Twitter, Facebook, whatever it may be, yep. and seeing what the masses have to say about the line. Okay. And I actually saw it was a uh I think it was Todd Furman who retweeted this. It was either him or Brad Powers, both great follow uh follows on Twitter, uh Todd Furman and Brad Powers. One of them tweeted if you want to know why the average sports better loses, look at their responses to what the line should be next week. And mo- the average response on Twitter was Alabama should now be around uh, a touchdown favorite. And mm. let me tell you this, 
the market's never that wrong. Certain things happen. Alabama looked really good. Matchups change. Okay, the 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 Georgia staff's going to go in there and make changes. Alabama staff's going to go in there and make changes. Based on the early line or the early, the the uh, previous line of Georgia minus six and a half. The yeah. most I see this thing moving the most is probably three four points. I think if they meet again, I think really? Georgia. I think Georgia will be favored by two and a half or three. The idea that the market was off by seven points and that's going yeah. to correct itself over the course of neither team playing any other games is ridiculous. And will we don't we, it, we we can just wait because you know it may open up. It may open up Pickham and actually move seven points. I wouldn't be. Uh, or I would be pretty shocked to move that much. But you ask people right now, and the average person would say on Twitter is, no, Alabama should be a favorite. We had it wrong. Alabama's the better team. That's not the case, okay? George is still going to probably come out as a favorite, if not closer to a pick But I would have guessed right now, my my guess, I'll put it out there publicly, I think Georgia opens minus two and a half. If they meet in the national championship. Yes, if they meet in the natty. Now, okay, so if that's the case, then... Let's say the line opens a pick them. Are you going to take Georgia just strictly because you think the market shouldn't be that far off? I probably would. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, okay. we, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't bet teams. You bet the numbers. You know, it doesn't matter who I'm betting every week. I don't give a shit whether it's Alabama or Podunk State. It's about the spread and it's about what they're charging. That's all that matters in betting. It's never about the team. It's about what they're charging for the team. That's why. When you get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the Detroit Lions, you could go to a, a, a you know, whatever, you know, ask a family member or a friend, say, hey, who, Tampa Bay's playing Detroit tonight. Who do you like? Oh, I like Tampa. You know, and it, it doesn't matter what the spread is. It could be 7, 8, 9, 10. If, if Alabama's playing Utah State, you know, it's going to be a 50-point spread, whatever. A lot of people are like, well, it's Utah State. Mm. That's, that, that's, that really matters. So I think we have to remember that. Well, I think you're definitely right. Generally speaking, about the market is never that far wrong. But like, I can just think of times where, like, just off the top of my head, where I go, "No, the market was wrong." Like, uh, like you know, twenty nineteen, uh, or excuse me, twenty eighteen, Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan was favored going into Columbus by like five points. They got blown out. I don't. Th- I think you could play that game a hundred times, and Michigan might win five of them. I just can't. To me, that market was way off. And so I know, generally speaking, you're definitely right. Like, there's a science to that. But I think there are times, and in this case, maybe it is true. I mean, maybe. Okay, but how far off do you think it was? What do you think the line should have been? Ohio State minus five. No, 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 no. no. Alabama, Georgia. Oh, um, I, you know, I I think Pickham probably actually was a good a good number for that. I don't think it should have swung that much. But you know, it's almost at this point. Obviously, I don't I don't want a rematch. I want Michigan to beat Georgia in the first round. But if we do, I'll be very interested to see how it shakes out because. After seeing that, like I, I, what I think the market doesn't always take into account, especially in college football, because we've talked about this so many times, how big of motivation and, and emotion goes into, you know, college football outcomes is that I think that there's something in that those Georgia players heads where they're like, man, we just can't ever beat Alabama. And, and there's like a little bit of fear there in that. And, you know, I think that the, the market can't, can't quantify that can't quantify you know, teams that just always have another team's number. And it doesn't mean that they never will. Obviously, no, but it's just, but it's just so funny how this is all so hindsight. I mean, last week, literally 98% of America was lining up to bet six and a half. And yeah. now everyone's just so on the other side. So it's just, it, it, it's, it's not that liquid, you know, it's not so yeah, you're right. And, and we can't watch one game and say, Oh, Oh, you know, it, it, that's, 
it's only one data point. So it doesn't, I'm telling you, it it doesn't, I I think Georgia's a very good team. Now here's the thing. Georgia may have been incredibly overrated all season long. Like we don't know that, but I highly doubt that's the case given their, I mean, they played good teams. They had great results. Yes. I think it takes a tweak here, a tweak there. Plus let's remember this. Alabama just emptied the cupboard. They gave everything because that was winner, winner, go home. Georgia yep. didn't do so. I mean, I think Georgia probably started pulling it back mid third quarter. Now they were still obviously doing what they could, but in terms of showing looks, no, Georgia was keeping it yep. all, uh, uh, you know, uh, under the vest, beneath the vest. It's so funny when I was calling high school football, uh, Clark Johnson <laughs> was my, uh, was the play by play. And I was the color commentator. And, uh, <laughs> there was one time where I, I don't know where he got this phrase, but, uh, he said something along the lines of, let's see what he's got under his overcoat. Talking about like the referee. <laughs> and it was such a it was such a <laughs> weird mental image he put in everyone's mind. So now whenever I say to the vest beneath the vest, I, that always crosses my mind. Let's see what this <laughs> yeah, ref's got under his overcoat. Yeah. Yeah. See, that the first thing I think of when I hear about that is like a streaker or like a guy who's like yeah. wants to, he, he he roams around totally naked underneath like a raincoat to show his, his, his dick to people. So it's, oh, wow. it's a, a horrifying thing for an announcer to say. What's that episode <laughs> of, uh, of the Simpsons when Ned Flanders was in that like one piece skiing uniform. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Second <laughs> wear, nothing at all. Nothing at sexy all. Flanders. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> I love it. I love sexy. Well, look, <laughs> the interesting thing now with Georgia is, are there kind of already is, but will there be more quarterback questions about should Stetson Bennett start in the oh playoffs. Or should God. it be JT Daniels? That People, is so outrageous. He was already Kirby Smart was already answering questions about it in his post game, and a lot of people think that he should have gone with JT Daniels uh, at least at some point in that game. Maybe not start him, but I think it'll be interesting to see if maybe you don't see a mix of the two come the playoff game against Michigan. If I hear any word or have any credible news that they're making a quarterback change i might take alabama with the pick em. i mean you're gonna hammer that more. is such a sign <laughs> of to me that would be a sign of the coaching staff being lost reaching for answers mm. doing something desperate look stetson bennett's had an amazing year has he had a heisman year no and it's actually kind of rare that you get a team so dominant so you know undefeated number one and their quarterbacks aren't even mentioned for the heisman so that right. may say something in itself but I hate the idea of making the change early. You go with him all year long, you're riding him. And then now he has one bad game against an extremely, you know, extraordinarily underrated defense in Alabama who's played there before, been there before. They've now won 16 times in a row in that stadium. Alabama knows what they're doing. So the fact that it's like, Oh yeah, Bennett's goes out, throws a couple picks. Let's bench him. He got this team to where they are. He deserves the shot, but not only deserve it. It's not about that. If JT gave him a better chance to win, put him in. It's about, what he's done all year, you don't make that move. To me, again, that would say desperation, reaching for answers, and I wouldn't like that yeah. at all. You got to stick with the guy there. Yeah, I totally agree. And Stetson Bennett does have the advantage of he, he's more mobile than JT Daniels, and I think that that's an edge that you want when you're playing a team like Alabama. And so I agree. I think that that it does work in their favor that they you know have a chance for a rematch now. Their season isn't gone. But the thing that is interesting as far as the mental thing is that. Now, like, there might be a little bit of a playbook out for for Michigan, for example, while facing Georgia. Like, hey, these guys, the big, bad defense that hasn't been able to, you know, they haven't given up running yards to anybody all year. Look, they can be pushed off the ball. Alabama did it. Um, Alabama was more physical in that game. So does that provide an opportunity for Michigan? I don't know. I'm really interested to see how that 
you know, that matchup will shake out. And obviously we're going to be breaking down those, those playoff games and the upcoming bowl games in future episodes, you know, coming here in the next couple of weeks. But um, I think that maybe we all have kind of collectively overrated that Georgia defense just a bit, just because people were afraid of them. And now it's like, okay, they can be, they're not superheroes. They can be beaten. What, uh, what's that t- uh, going back to the quarterback uh, conversation real quick. I yeah. just had to put this out there. So Stetson Bennett, I actually prefer him too. Just the way the vibes I get from him, the way he looks, uh, <laughs> you know who JT Daniels reminds me of. Oh. I, I can't remember that. Help me out guys. It's a TV show and it was around in the nineties and there was this little blonde twerp who's like hair was parted on the middle and he kind of talked like this. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> He's like, like, give us a hint on what the show was. Oh God. I, I mean, no, no, I don't remember. That's what I'm trying to, I mean, maybe, like Sitcom, full, maybe like full uh, house or something like along those lines or was it on Disney channel or I don't, I don't think it was on Disney channel, but he had glasses. He does have he was kind a little, of like a, he was a little nerd and he would always say these things. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's who JT Danners reminds me of. Like that, <laughs> That's not who you want to send out there. It, at least Stenson Bennett looks like a, looks like a guy. I mean, he had a beer after the game with him. JT looks like he wants to build a a, a solar system out of styrofoam or something. He mm. just looks like a dweeb. That's probably one of his uh, his actual <laughs> class assignments at Georgia, knowing their their standards for football players. But um, <laughs> no, look, I think you're right. Stetson Bennett does pass the vibe check, and JT Daniels does not. Um, you know, it is just interesting to think about last year especially how good their offense was and explosive with JT Daniels but we just we didn't see it really this year and Stetson Bennett has earned his playing spot and I agree I think it'd be a foolish uh, mistake to switch but I think we could see a little bit of maybe both quarterbacks coming in um and so oh, you know I, I don't think that, that would be that abnormal because we saw by the way moving on to the Big Ten championship game Michigan is a team that will bring in the the freshman quarterback for a few plays they they dominate Iowa in the Big Ten title. 42 to three. Um, this game was, you know, it was uh, pretty much over from the beginning. Michigan scored early with some big plays. They had a running back uh, throw for touchdown that went like 50 yards in the air and he hit him right in the hands. Super impressive. Just a fun game all around for Michigan fans. Really cool to see uh, Harbaugh get the Gatorade back to the end and see him so happy and celebrating and showing emotion. Basically the opposite of Dave Aranda. And hey, you could have gotten a minus two and a half when Iowa took that first drive down. This is sometimes an opportunity you get live betting. I don't always recommend just betting live based on stuff. For some reason, I don't know what happened. Maybe they got a lot of money. Maybe there was an error in the market. That line came down from seven to five to three to two and a half in the matter of just like 20 or 30 yards. So it wasn't available for long, but if, and I didn't get it, I didn't, I didn't because Iowa missed that field goal and it was right back to like nine before you knew it. But yep. uh, that was a really good opportunity. So if anyone out there got two and a half, I envy you because it was available for about a minute, and uh, that was a great number. But well, I think I think oh, what the market was seeing there was that on the first drive for Michigan, they went three and out. They could not move the ball on the line of scrimmage. And we know Iowa is just a team that is tough against the run. They play old-school football. And then for Iowa to go down and march down, but you're right, the second they missed that field goal – the the all of the momentum felt like uh, the air just got let out of the balloon for for Iowa and then Michigan on the very next uh, drive they proved that they can score in different ways which I think is important moving into the playoffs is that they're not just hey we line it up and hand it off every time they score on a big trick play you know they find different ways to score in this game they get a block punt they force an interception 
Um, I think that they are set up to be able to compete with Georgia. I don't know if they're going to win. You know, it's a very interesting matchup, but they've proven at this point that they can line up and do what they want to do. And if that's not working, they can find other ways to score. No, I think so too. Look, Michigan looks good, man. You got to be ready for Michigan to surprise some people. They're going to give Georgia a game. Is the line out yet for Michigan, Georgia? Do we have a line? Uh, yeah, early lines. Hey, no, no, uh, don't, 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 don't say. It. Let's play. Let's play the game. Let's play the guessing okay. game. <laughs> you, well, I already know it, so you guess. I don't. And I'm being honest here, and it may. I have nothing. I'm not using power rankings. I'm not using anything. I'm just going. I'm just going with it. This is my COVID okay. mind. All right, we're gonna go. Uh, well, Georgia was just six and a half against Bama, so without any changes, right. they'd probably be fourteen against Michigan. Now we can maybe wow. downgrade. Georgia will say three, so it's 11. And let's upgrade Michigan one and a half, which brings us to nine and a half. I will go Georgia, just based on those rough assumptions, I'll go Georgia minus nine and a half. Smitty? Uh, I'm going to go Georgia by a touchdown. All right. Well, the, the, the early line I saw, and it could have already moved by now, but it came out this morning, was Georgia minus seven. So Smitty was wow. right on. Wow. How about Georgia that, Georgia minus Ryan? seven. And by the way, better. That's prices right right <laughs> <there>. <laughs> The uh, The early line for Alabama versus Cincy is 14 and a half for Alabama, by the way. That's a big one. Wow. So we'll okay. see where those numbers go. I'm sure they're moving already. And by so, the time kickoff so comes, they could be anywhere. Here's why I don't like that number. And here's why early I do lean Georgia with that is because I think we're all overreacting to Georgia's game. I think there's a mass overreaction to how Georgia looked. Let's not forget. They just lost to Alabama who, if Alabama showed up in the first half against their game against A&M, they're the undefeated number one team now. And it's like, okay, they just lost Alabama. No big deal. Perception matters a lot. We talk about this all uh, a lot on this show and I think the listeners, you know, probably appreciate it because not many other shows, I think, hit this topic that on a weekly basis, we all react and we all see the rankings and we all give our opinions. But really, the only thing that changes, aside from maybe injuries or coaching changes now in the, in the year, is our perception of these teams. So yep. all that's changed between now and last week with Georgia is our perception. They don't have any major injuries. No one on the coaching staff. Kirby Smart's not leaving for another job. The only thing that's changed is what we think of them. So they were six and a half and everyone and their mother across the country has taken six and a half, which doesn't just because it didn't win, by the way, that's not, I know it sounds weird saying, but because everyone loves six and a half, it wasn't like a horrible bet. It's not like the, it's not like there's a bunch of professionals on plus six and a half, bringing it down to four before the game. So it's not like everyone could, everyone knew this was going to happen. So I think that we're just way overreacting. And the fact that they were six and a half, now they're, a half point more against Michigan, even with some adjustments here or there, I think that's really an overreaction. So at seven right now, I do lean Georgia. And it looks like there's already some movement. You can get it at minus eight some places. I, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, you know, that being said, I, I like that, you know, at least Jim Harbaugh will have an opportunity here to feed the underdog mentality more of these players. The players really love kind of being that underdog. Uh, they were against Ohio State, and uh, they were against Penn State, and now they get to be against Georgia too. So I think that's a good thing, and I think we can see that line creep up a lot. Um, and like you said, Alabama, you know, 14 and a half uh, against Cincinnati. That's going to be an interesting one too where I really oh, like give me Cincinnati. You think so? Oh, 14? yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I tell you what, I hope that number moves up so we can make that a bet for game come playoff time because 
if you're giving me four, there's something about the Cincinnati team. And I know this is not even about uh, discounting Alabama at all, but I think that that Cincinnati team is tougher than people are giving them credit for. And I know they haven't had a, a strong schedule this year compared to obviously any of the other playoff teams, but even some of the other top 10, top 15 teams playing in the American. But I think that Luke Fickle can get his team prepared. And I think that, that it'd be one thing if they were just like an offensive juggernaut, but the fact they're a really good defensive team uh, and they can do it different ways. Uh, something about me tells me that, that, that Cincinnati could hang there. Um, and so we'll, we'll see what happens. Alabama minus time, seven Tyler. first half is my best bet of the show. Well, that one will probably be more like eight and a half or nine, right? Because typically the first half number, it, it, it's, it leans a little heavy on the first half versus the second half, right? Uh, maybe. If it's 14, yeah, we may see a little more in the first half, especially for Bama. Okay. Interesting. We'll see then. Yeah. We'll see. Right now, uh, I like Bama, though, for sure. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, Michigan get the Big Ten title for first in uh, Harbaugh's history, first Big Ten title since 2004 for Michigan. So uh, all good go. stuff. Congratulations, for William. Thank you. Yeah, and Will hasn't stopped smiling since yesterday. I don't blame him. I wouldn't have either. Audio <laughs> only podcast. <laughs> if Colorado is in the Final Four, oh, man. Oh, for sure. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. It's a cool feeling, for sure. And even if they get stomped on by Georgia, which certainly is, is a possibility, uh, yeah, that will suck, but what a great season. So I'm very happy. Uh, who else is happy? The Pittsburgh Panthers. Pitt, they win the ACC. They beat up on Wake 45-21. Uh, Kennedy Pickett has a big game. He has the fake slide, which I thought was awesome. But I get like coaches and defensive players would be pissed, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see some sort of new rule against this because we already know that with targeting and stuff, like these defensive players are kind of trained at this point to ease up at that moment and have some hesitation. And if you hadn't, if you didn't see it, you got to look it up on Twitter because uh, basically what happens, Kenny Pickett scrambles for a big, a big break down the field. He's running between defenders and he starts to go down for a slide. You can see in his, like he, he didn't intend to do a fake slide. He started the slide motion. He kind of like bends his knees kind of funky. And he sees that the, the wake, the entire defense stops. Yeah. They stop because they think he's sliding too. And he doesn't go down. He just kind of like, hops like half hops up and runs and gets a touchdown and just a crazy play. I can't believe that we've never seen anything like that before. Uh, it was awesome, but I bet you they'll start changing the rules for something like that. Yeah. It's kind of, I don't love that. I mean, because the whole essence of that is, is he was giving himself up. Yeah. That's, that's dirty. That is oh, a little play, play through the whistle, I guess, you know, I don't know, yeah. but we're, but we're telling these guys to basically, pull up and not play through the whistle. Yeah, these guys yeah. get creamed when they like <laughs> lower a helmet a little too much. And then, yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I bet what you'll start seeing is in the future, I think that refs will will be taught to look at this play and they'll know how to officiate it. Basically, even if something like that happened, they would go back, they would look at it and say, he was giving himself up, he's down right there. That's I think like that's pretending, the future. It's like pretending you're hurt, like in another sport, and then like in like soccer or something, and then standing up real quick and then go and score a goal. You know what? I've actually seen before <laughs> in the NBA, JaVel McGee, when he played for the, or when he's on the Lakers, is he still on the Lakers? Will JaVale? Uh, he, I mean, he's bounced around. I think now he's on Dallas or something like that. I can't okay. remember. But, but if he is or not, uh, a couple years ago on the Lakers, JaVel McGee, and this is on YouTube. It's hysterically. Any, anyone can find this. He fakes an injury. And so his guy guard, they were on offense Javel fakes an injury, so his guy kind of like leaves and drifts off. Javel, when he notices, turns back around and gets it for the dunk in like 
smiles at him like, yeah, I gotcha. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, it makes no. sense. I mean, there's been examples like that in the past. That's why they say, what is it? Like the most dangerous animal is like a wounded animal. Um, there, I always I heard it was, was a lemur. A, uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> a lemur, the most dangerous animal. Uh, maybe for like a for like a grasshopper, a lemur is pretty dangerous. Mm. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, look, the fake slide, I think it was interesting. Um, I think they will change how it was officiated, but that didn't uh, certainly didn't change anything. So if you're a Wake fan, you can't be screaming about the fake slide. You know, I think I think Pitt wins that game easily, regardless, and that's yeah. a big win for those players. Big win for Pat Narduzzi and the Pitt Panthers. Um, you know, for what a, what a strange year. If anyone would have picked Pitt versus Wake Forest in the AC Championship game, you're probably just a time traveler, and you're not even like a like. I wish uh, I was a time that, traveler. Yeah. Well, I, certainly I am. That's why I picked Georgia versus mm-hmm. Alabama in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we all had good. Baylor and Oklahoma State, so. I know. I of know. course. <laughs> and Michigan versus <laughs> Iowa. No doubt about that. Either. I believe, I believe uh, your uh, sleeper team was Missouri, right, Will? Uh, I know. I did not say sleeper. <laughs> I said they would be a chaos team. Which, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they could, you could, you know, chaos could be one in a few different ways. So um, Weird year. It's a weird show. We're talking about dangerous animals. We're talking about it's on Zoom. This isn't it. It's, a, it's, it's just it's that time of the year. Yeah, for sure. Well, we have obviously we talked about the playoff. But there's now a lot of these big bowl games have been announced. So I'm going to run down these games. We'll do just a, you know, a quick couple notes on them. But obviously, we're going to be breaking those down, trying to do best bets uh, as we get further into bowl season in future episodes here. But obviously, we talked about the playoff uh, matchup. For, so for the Sugar Bowl, or excuse me, for the Cotton Bowl, we've got Bama versus Cincy. The Orange Bowl, Michigan versus Georgia. Both those games are on New Year's Eve. Here are the, New Year, the rest of the New Year's Six Bowls. Sugar Bowl is Baylor versus Ole Miss. I love this matchup. I think it's, you know, you have a really good defensive team in Baylor versus what we know Ole Miss is. Um, I would pick Ole Miss in that game for sure. I think that we just saw Lane Kiffin, by the way, get he signed a contract extension um, to stay there in Ole Miss for a while. I think that things are just moving in a positive direction for them. I think that they'll be hyped for this game, and I like Ole Miss in that matchup already. Uh, what's the line, do you know? Are you just uh, no. Uh, no line yet. So a lot of these don't, some of these have been announced like even in the last couple hours. So we don't have uh, many spreads on that, but I would guess that Ole Miss would be, you know, right around a touchdown favorite in that game. Yeah. I like Ole Miss too. A lot depends on, uh, is Baylor going to get their quarterback back or is he out for the year? Uh, he's not out for the year. I had said that in previous episodes and I was wrong. So it's a hamstring injury. I thought that it was a season ending, but he was suited up for the big 12 championship game, but not playing, not warming up really. So he could be back a month from now come bowl season. Um, but either way, I mean, the, the backup, you know, we talked about him. He was really good. And so I think Baylor's going to have options. But to me, Ole Miss just, you know, a little too explosive on the offensive side for that game. Um, yeah. The Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl, Ohio State versus Utah, the Pac-12 champion versus the, you know, now third place in the uh, Big Ten, I guess you could say. But that's an interesting matchup. Uh, I like that matchup a lot. Um, the Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State. I, this is a great matchup, Tyler, uh, especially with Brian Kelly leaving. We got Marcus Freeman, the new head coach. Do you think Oklahoma State can get a bounce back win there, Tyler? I actually do because Oklahoma State's the kind of program that, you know, that was a tough loss. That was a horrible loss. Yep. If they don't let that sting and sit around, which it's tough to after that long. I mean, maybe if it's next week, then I wouldn't want to play them. But uh, I trust Mike Gundy to get them focused up again. 
understand he made some mistakes. They're a great bowl team. Mike Gundy's one of the better bowl coaches. Uh, I think they'll be ready. And Notre Dame, uh, I think a lot, or I think too much is being made about the continuity, right? The coaching staff staying on, which is a big deal. Tommy Reese is OC. You know, uh, I, I like their uh, choice for head coach. I think he's going to do a good job. He, he's young. He's He knows the team well. But yep. the line doesn't reflect how important Brian Kelly was. And I think that's what we're all forgetting. And I think that's where a lot of people do kind of get fooled in the, again, continuity with Notre Dame. Does it matter this game? Yeah, probably more than any other game that they're, you know, any other time. So I uh, like Oklahoma State here. Um, Notre Dame's going to have a lot to fight for. They want to probably prove to Brian Kelly that uh, maybe he shouldn't have gone anywhere, but I don't think that matters. Uh, I like Oklahoma State. All right. Well, uh, the last New York Six Bowl, the Peach Bowl, Michigan State versus Pitt. This one is interesting because Pat Narduzzi, the head coach of Pitt, came from Michigan State. He was the defensive coordinator there for years under Mark D'Antonio. So that's going to be a fun matchup. Two teams that want to run the ball and play physical defense. I think that'll be a really interesting game for sure. So I'm excited about that one. Quick rundown of some other bowl games here. The Texas Bowl, we get Kansas State versus LSU. Uh, It sounds like Brian Kelly's not going to coach that. They're still going to go with an interim head coach but I don't think that's been finalized yet. You know, usually when you see a a new head coach come in, right. As that coaching carousel starts, they don't coach the bowl game. They kind of stay and and wait and they do stuff off, off the field, but we'll see what happens there. Um, The citrus bowl, Iowa versus Kentucky. That's a fun one. Two teams that want to run the ball and play tough defense. Outback bowl, Penn state versus Arkansas. That's a really fun matchup. I love who's who who's who, because in the outback bowl, one team is the coconut shrimp and one team's the blooming onion. So I always cheer for the blooming <laughs> oh. onion team because you get a free appetizer the day after. So whoever's representing oh. blue onions, that's Arkansas has got to be the blooming onion. It's okay. deep fried. Um, it's Southern, <laughs> you know, the Penn state is definitely the coconut shrimp because they're a little more flashy. You know, I think that they're a little overrated personally. I think coconut shrimp's a little overrated. <laughs> I think if you got to go one way or the other, you got to, if Arkansas has to be the blooming onion, right? Well, I, I hope you're right. And if Arkansas is the Bloomin' Onion, I'm on them. But I'm just letting everyone know this is the only That's game I goes. blindly pick and I go with my Bloomin' Onion team. So No, you have that. And that's got to be in your spreadsheet, your ratings, like the Bloomin' Onion side. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. every year. It's just who's the Bloomin' Onion team? Go with that. I mean, the sauce like alone. A, like a, yeah. <laughs> it's worth a oh, half yeah. point. The, the, the <laughs> so I love it. Um, the, the Gator Bowl, Wake Forest versus AM. This, I think, is just a tough matchup for Wake Forest because it's been a down year for the ACC. They had a very good showing all year, and now you get what is, you know, I think a pretty good SEC West team. We'll see what happens. If, I got if a headline. For that I got game. a headline. Okay. Wake, too far in the forest to see the Aggies. <laughs> Come on too now. Far in the forest? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's because, yeah, it's the expression, you're too far in the forest to see the trees. Yeah. Right? So, wake uh, too far in the forest. That's the expression exactly. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm exhausted, guys. <laughs> um, we're wrapping up soon. Uh, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Miami versus Washington, what? man. Okay, oh, I so can't wait till next. I can't wait to get in the studio next week and play a round of real or fake bowl games. That's oh, gonna yeah. be a. Yeah. Well, this is especially funny for me because for both, really for both Miami and Washington State. But imagine you're like a Miami player. You're from South Beach. You know, you're playing and where it's tropical. You got the ocean, and you got to go play a bowl game in El Paso. Those guys <laughs> are not going to be motivated for that. It's same thing. Washington State, the Pacific Northwest. 
you know, and they got to go like neither of those teams want to be in the desert in El Paso. So that one's going to be uh, which team, you know, wants it, wants it less, basically. Um, I just typed in, what is El Paso known for? Uh, the city of El Paso is called the Sun City because on average it has 302 days of sun every year. But mm-hmm. but still. Great Mexican food. I've been there a bunch. I got mm. family in El Paso. My dad's from El Paso. Uh, you know what El Paso dis- means dis- uh, in Spanish? The, the pass. Yeah, the Paso. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the um, <laughs> it's a border city you know so uh fun times if you ever you know ever feel like going down there enjoy some good mexican food um there you go. purdue versus tennessee in the music city bowl so basically a home game for tennessee love that matchup and then this one the duke's mayo bowl which has been new in the last few years but i love that you can just sponsor a bowl with mayo in the name and it's north carolina versus south carolina a team this is a matchup we don't And how about this one? The Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, Oklahoma versus Oregon. Who is going to coach these games? Uh, Mario <laughs> Cristobal might might be at Miami. We don't know what's happening in Oklahoma. Sounds like Brett Venables. But who's going to be? You know, apparently there was supposed to be a press conference by the head coaches t- today for this for this game. I, I bet you that press conference is going to be pretty awkward if Mario Cristobal is there. You boys still with me? Hello. I'm here. Did we lose oh, we Tyler? Lost. <laughs> Tyler? Tyler went to the bathroom, and since we're on Zoom, we got no idea. Um, the Cheez It Bowl, Clemson versus Iowa State. Uh, love this matchup. I hope Matt Campbell can get a big win against Dabo just to rub it in Tyler's face since he's not here right now. Um, the greatest coach the world has ever seen, Matt Campbell. Do, uh, does Does Matt Campbell get a shot at one of these bigger problems? Will you think? I am back. Programs. Oh, he's back. We never. We we weren't. We didn't know you were leaving. Yeah, you know what? I don't. I think he's staying. I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to answer your question, Smitty, I think he's staying. I think that if he was going to go for one of those bigger programs, we probably would have already seen it. Um, I yeah. think he wants to stay there. So um, the Liberty Bowl, Texas Tech versus Mississippi State. This is the Mike Leach revenge game. You get uh, uh-huh. Mike Leach to Mississippi State versus his old school Texas Tech. Very, uh, you know, bad ending to that relationship. So that one's really interesting, boys. Oh, let's go Leach. Please the Leach. Bleach the leech, dude. Yes. I love it. I still don't think that's a good saying for if you want <laughs> to be pro Mike Leach. I, but that's I don't okay. either, but it's it's all I have right now to line where it rhymes with leech. Yeah. Well, Sounds like you're say? bleaching your asshole. Well, I, I've done that a couple <laughs> times, and I gotta say, I am a I'm a I'm a trendsetter in terms of style. That's a, that mm. was a good call for me. Those uh, words have never been better spoken. Moves. <laughs> yeah, about Tower being a trendsetter. That's very true. Um a couple of college football news pieces. We already talked about a lot of these, but we'll just run, run them down before we break down the Army-Navy game. Uh, my, Mario Cristobal being rumored to Miami. Sounds like that might be in the works. Now, if that does happen... I got a headline. I got a headline real quick. It just came to me. Okay. I got a great headline. Okay. Okay. Oh, hold on. Give me a minute. Let me work with the words. <laughs> <laughs> I got one. Hang on. Um, it's got to be something about looking into a crystal ball. No, no, it right? is. It's crystal ball. Yeah. It's crystal ball and then crystal ball. Ryan, mm-hmm. help me out here. He's going to Miami. It's in the future. We can tell. We can read the future. He's going to go to Miami. But I got one. I got our, one. I got one. Okay. All right. Cri- crystal ball says Cuban food. <laughs> no, no oh, one? I mean, right. really got that, it. I my my stripper name is Crystal Balls. Yeah, there we that's go. Good. Yeah, that's <laughs> I think mine's Crystal Balls next wife, like the pole assassin. <laughs> mine's um, Buck Naked. <laughs> um, replace. Okay, if one of Crystal Ball does go to Miami, 
it, this mm-hmm. the stars are aligning for Chip Kelly to return to, to Oregon. He, he leaves the UCLA job where he's proven he's getting things going in a better direction. He can go back to where he took Oregon to a national championship game, get things going there. I think that would be a sweet move to see uh, him return to Eugene. Plus, I'm sure he wants to leave L.A. now that Lincoln Riley's there. Exactly, exactly. So, um, also, it sounds like Brett Venables to Oklahoma is like in the works, maybe being finalized. Ooh, no I would love that. But yet. But uh, he was a defensive coordinator there for a while under Bob Stoops. So that'd be an interesting one. Uh, we talked about Marcus Freeman being named the new head coach for Notre Dame after Brian Kelly leaves. Did you guys see? I'm sure you did. But Brian Kelly with the fake Southern accent. Oh, was it was so great. So I am priceless was that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, like, I just don't He get sounded it. Like, like Forrest Gump. He actually sounded a little like Forrest Gump sometimes in there. He, he, I swear he just went out there. He's like, all right, I'm just going to say a few words a lot slower. And I'm just going to like, what does he think? Does he think that no one in the state of Louisiana like understands that he's not from the South? <laughs> like, like I, I don't get the move. It's one thing when like, you know, you see a I'm pretty sure he's from Indiana. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, he's from Massachusetts. He's from the Northeast. <laughs> and so, and, and he's never had an accent at all. And it's just like, come on, man. Like they're already excited about you hiring. You're a great coach. You don't have to cater to them by like, you know, like eating crawdads right there at center court. <laughs> it's it's a stupid move. And it was so funny that he thinks that he could do that and get away with it. I just thought it was ridiculous. It was super cringeworthy. I did so not like funny. it at all. Yeah, it was uh, so funny. He you know, just you like, know, the whole thing that I'm the most disappointed about now that he's gone. My whole Brian Kelly, look at the Irish. It's is dead. gone. For it's dead. It's it's dead. It's it's not good anymore. That is a shame. You know what? It's a real shame. I know the listeners loved it. Um, You know, I know you hated it. I know you did not like it. I just think your Irish accent needs some work. That's all. Um, Uh, It's the only one of my accents that needs a little polishing. Maybe you're right. Well, now you can just practice a bad Southern accent every time you bring up Brian Kelly because that's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be sounding like Ed Orgeron in about three years. It's just going to be this steady decline. It's so funny. It's so funny. What what an idiot. Um, But uh, Marcus Freeman takes over the job there. We talked about Lane Kiffin getting a, a contract extension on Ole Miss. And Smitty, you brought this up right as we started recording. Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, is he just got fired today. He's out. So he's going to be in the mix. He could be a guy I could see taking the head coaching job at Oregon potentially. If you don't remember, he was the offensive coordinator at LSU the year they won the national championship with Coach O and Joe Burrow and, you know, that incredible offense. I still, you know, I think that, it's not a surprise that these college coordinators go and they have a tough time in the NFL. It's just a different animal there, but I think he could absolutely still be a, a, a very high level offensive coordinator in college. And I think he'll do well depending on where he ends up. Yeah, for sure. I hope he goes to a good situation and uh, I could see him doing a lot. I could see him being a head coach somewhere. Like you said, coordinator at a high level school. I think he's done a, a really good job in his past. And look, I don't know if the NFL was for him. I don't know if, Everything was, you know, working out properly. Yeah. I know when he's had reigns before, he's done a great job. And I do know that people in the LSU program said, if you're going to give one person credit for the national title, Will, you're not going to like this. But a lot of people said, look to Joe Brady, not Ed Orgeron. And so I do like Joe Brady. I hope he gets a good, uh, he gets a good opportunity. And I'm sure Blasphemy. he's, he's going to get signed, <laughs> you know, in, in a week at least. Or, you know, no, like you're, 
I, you're right. I, I, I love Coach O forever, and he's got to get some credit for bringing him there, but you're right. Without Joe Brady there, they don't win the national championship, so fair enough. But you know what? Here's the dream the dream scenario. Oklahoma Sooners fans, you hire Brett Venables, the defensive guy who runs a great defense. Brett Venables brings in Joe Brady's offense. Oh, dude, All that would be All of a you're awesome. back and rolling. I think yeah. that's a dream scenario for the Sooners, and if I'm if it's true that Brett Venables is going to be the head coach at Oklahoma, that's the first guy on my list. I'm saying, hey, uh, come back to Oklahoma. We'll we'll still have a high powered offense that everyone's used to seeing, and I'll I'll be in charge of the defense. I think that'd be pretty sweet. I know it just weighs in everyone's mind. They're going to the SEC, so yeah, fair That's enough. A big deal. Uh, all right, last but not least, we are going to break down the Army Navy game. So this Army is the Navy. only college football game for Saturday. It's if if you don't watch this game, I highly recommend you do because it's one of the better rivalries in all of college football. Great tradition. You have all the cadets there. They wear awesome jerseys. They announced the jerseys for this game, and they're so good. If you haven't seen them, look them up right now. Both armies and navies are awesome. I think I have to tip my cap more to the navy jerseys, even though they kind of look like New England Patriots. But they, you know, they basically look like uh, they're kind of designed around like a naval, um, like jet fighter or something that kind of scheme. And then the army ones are kind of like a desert camo style. Uh, they look awesome. So I'm really excited for this one. The president usually goes and does the coin flip there. So, you know, uh, we should see Joe Biden there uh, flipping a coin, uh, all kinds of political jokes, <laughs> insert them right now. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, look, this game, I-, I love this game because they both run a triple option. I'll never forgive Georgia Tech for firing Paul Johnson and go- switching <laughs> away from the triple option. And now all I have are the, the service academies to lean on for this. But right now, Army is seven and a half point favorite. They've had a much better year than Navy. Um, I think ultimately Tower, I'm leaning army minus seven and a half, but you know, these games have been very close in the past. You look at their history between these two teams when they play, it's usually a very close, hard fought, low scoring game. And that's the only thing that worries me with a spread like this as high as seven and a half. Cause if this game is going to be low scoring, seven and a half is a huge spread for a low scoring game, right? Tyler. Yeah, it is. And, uh, I think, look, you look at the past, the history, uh, it's always been really close, and Navy's typically been the better team. This is a rare situation this year where Army has the better team, the better players, and Navy's kind of looked at as the underdog. Um, but I go to my analogy of, you know, if you've been beat up for years by one specific team, you know, when you get a chance now as the better team, what do you do? We saw it this year with uh, a lot of uh, the ACC teams against Clemson. Um I think what happens here is Army takes everything they can out on Navy. Obviously, I don't love the hook. I'd much rather prefer minus seven compared to minus seven and a half. But I still lean on Army this game. You know, the history, the fact they haven't won in so long, the fact that, uh, well, you know, just a couple times in so long. And I just think that uh, Army shows up and they've had such a great year. You look at who they play. I mean, they don't have a terrible schedule and and they've they're scoring points. So... I think that they, you know, slow Navy down, score a little bit, and seven and a half is is where we'll take this game. So we'll go Army minus seven and a half. And I always just love this game, like Will. So yeah, great. It's just a great rivalry. You know, they get like the fighter jets coming over, which you get in a lot of games, but they they go all out with this one. You and, know, something you know, that I, bugs me about the that though, they use the stealth plane. You can't even see them go over. You don't even know when they're there. They're so stealth. <laughs> uh, that but, you know, um, that's actually one. That's one of your better dad jokes. I didn't. No, not it's not. No, it's not. I'm Don't say fan. that. That's that's not good. <laughs> um, 
yeah, look, the they're I think they're playing it at MetLife Stadium. It's usually somewhere in that like uh like DC area. And so um I'm super excited about this game. I love watching option teams play and the fact that you know a lot of times they play that game on championship Saturday, but the fact that it's the only game on that day, I think they should get good ratings and everyone that's starred for college football on Saturday is gonna be watching. So uh Tyler, I think I'm gonna go army minus seven and a half here. I do think they are just the, flat out the better team, the better running team. I know these teams are familiar with each other. They know how to stop the other team's option, but ultimately I think Army is much better here, and I'm going to lay the seven and a half points. I agree. I'm on the same side. Let's go Army. Okay, fair enough. Well, listen, guys, that's going to be it for today's show. What we're going to do is in the coming weeks, we're going to be breaking down all the bowl games, uh, talking about more coaching carousel stuff leading up to the playoffs. So make sure you subscribe on Spotify, on iTunes. Uh, Give us a review. Tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter at CFB underscore pod. We'll see you next week.